you can unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current as a 12-12-21. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. Anomalous consumer access. Not over 3030. Call 800-490-1233 for disclosures and cost information. With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5-0. Mojo 5-0. We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. I am your host, Sam Sorbo, here on Mojo50.com and also podcasts where fine podcasts are hosted. So be sure to, if you enjoy this podcast, tell all your friends and pass it around. You're going to learn some stuff here that you might not hear anywhere else. That's my that's my point. I ask uh, sort of the tough questions, at least I like to think I do. We're going to have an Alaska senator to come on to discuss keeping the flame of freedom alive in that great state. Uh, a little bit later in the show, talk a little bit about Tara Reid's re- revelations and Rose McGowan and what's happening on the the dying and and nearly dead uh, Me Too movement ever since uh, Joe Biden was uh, involved, uh, which I find so hypocritical and astonishing, really, because they were they were so concerned for so long. But first, mask. Hysteria. Did you hear what I did there? It's mass hysteria, but with masks. Uh, and so to, to speak to us about this new phenomenon is Patrick Wood. He comes to us by he's the he's the author of Technocracy Rising, which is an excellent book. But he's the executive director of Citizens for Free Speech dot org. So you can go to Citizens for Free Speech dot org. Um, Patrick Wood, uh, thanks for coming on the program. My pleasure, Sam. Thank you for having me. And it's it's funny that we would be taught. We're talking about a health issue, right? Masks. Everybody. And I don't yeah. know if you saw there was uh, uh, on Twitter. There was a gal who went on Twitter with her sunglasses on and she does this close up uh, video. Just just absolutely laced with profanities. Put your effing masks on. Why are you effers? Don't put your effing masks on and stop partying on your boats. I have a boat, too, but there's a time and place for everything or, you know, just literally going off on the fact that some people choose not to wear masks. And it was funny because I I actually tweeted back, gee, somebody needs a hug (laughs) because I can't help myself. But you're here to talk about uh, you. You have a renowned neurosurgeon, health practitioner, author, and lecturer who says, "Why are why the hysteria about the masks?" Right. Well, exactly, and nobody had really hit the nail on the head with a mask, as far as I'm concerned. It is it is very carefully, very tightly tied to this whole technocrat meme that I've been. Uh, dealing with for years and two of my books, latest books. Um, but the, what I call the great panic of 2020 has two parts to it. One is the actual virus itself, which is, as we know now, sort of inconsequential. It's real. It makes people sick and can't deny that. But the other, the other part of the great panic of 2020 is the great panic of 2020, <laughs> And this was originally caused by a group of technocrats out of 
uh, out of London, out of the Imperial College in London. And they started the panic, the stampede, if you will, when they, when, when Neil Ferguson in particular said that half a million Brits are going to die and 1.2 million Americans were going to die from this thing. And the only way to combat it was to practice social distancing and close down all the schools and um, stay at home and basically shut the economy down. They didn't say that, but that's except what if you're meeting a married lover. I think there's an exception in the in the rule book for that. For him, for him, there was an exception. Oh, just that's for right. him. He, oh, oh, okay. So he's really <laughs> special. <laughs> and it's interesting that his his married lover is um, is employed by an NGO based in America that is a radical environmentalist organization that supports climate change as well as animal rights causes. Um, so he's, he's tightly connected to this climate change crowd that has been spreading alarmism for, how many, two, what, 15, 20 years now uh, with things like Greta Thunberg and Al Gore, you know, the seas are going to rise and we're all going to die sort of thing. I thought and, Obama took care of that. I thought Obama, when he was elected, he said the seas will stop rising. Well, I guess they did for him. Uh, I don't think they did. I think he was ha- highly ineffective. <laughs> yes, indeed. All Lots right. of hot air, though. Lots um, of hot air. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. There's your global warming right there. Exactly. Um, so the issue... The issue at this point is that this panic has been caused by a group of people who had no connection, really, to um, to the health industry, if you will. Well, let's say to, to the health of people, individuals. Uh, Professor Ferguson is not, uh, he's an epidemiologist. That's a mathematician. He's a statistician. He's not a medical professional. And yet, he changed the course of the world. Uh, and, of course, the World Health Organization got right behind him because they had very close ties to the to the WHO and University of Washington came in immediately with a study, their own study, and it just kept fanning the flames, right. fanning the flames. Here we are now. So let me ask you before we go further, and and you have some, uh, you have connections to medical people. What are your thoughts on COVID nineteen? Just just in general, like, do you have any? Well, I, I do. I, you know, I, at this point, I'm looking at it about the same as I would any other nasty strain of flu that floats through. And there have been plenty. Is it man-made? Maybe, maybe not. But that it isn't so important at this point um, what the actual virus itself is. We know people have gotten sick from it and died from it. No doubt about that. In particular, the elderly. But the real issue is what these people have done with it. What was the knee-jerk reaction that they stepped in and executed that shut the global economy down? I mean, who has that kind of power to shut the global economy down? Exactly. Well, these technocrats figured out a way to do it, and well, they did it through panic and fear. Right, and not only shut down the economy, but shut it down without an exit strat- strategy because because they didn't want an exit strategy. That's how manipulative they are. So here's the thing. Like, I, I get it. We had this knee-jerk reaction. This thing is terribly contagious. Uh, you know, the, the facts and the, uh, the, the facts, the, the, the stats that we were given, the figures that we were, that we were shown were um, horrifying, right? They were wrong, yes. but they were horrifying. But, you know, that was all That's we right. had to go on. And so, yeah, okay, let's, 
let's do this thing. We're going to have to shut down everything to try to prevent. And what were we preventing? Not, not the spread so much as the curve. Well, we flattened the curve and we flattened the economy and we did both of those things without any exit strategy. It wasn't, it was just sort of an open-ended, let's start here and devil may care where we end up. It's crazy. Well, that's right. And basically the whole idea of shutting the economy down from, from a technocrat point of view, and I'm, I'll have, let me wrap in the United Nations to this because they're, they're part and parcel of this whole movement for technocracy using, you know, with sustainable development. The United Nations swore that they were going to destroy capitalism and free enterprise um, and replace it with sustainable development. It's an altogether different economic system. It's green. It's the, it's the Green New Deal that we have from AOC and the squad. It's green economy. It's you know getting rid of all fossil fuels, rebuilding society from the ground up to be green with green jobs. This, uh, this economic system, to them... Uh, has a death cross on it, and they want to completely destroy it so out of the ashes can rise their economic system. And what, what is it called again? Well, the United Nations calls it sustainable development. Sustainable development. So that's another euphemism for so- socialism. Well, sustainable development is not, it's not so much political as economic. It's well, an social- economic system. Okay, and you're saying that socialism is a just a political. I mean, socialism is an economic system. No. Well, socialism is more has more political overtones to it than than economic. But in the case of sustainable development, it is flat out an economic system. It says it all the way through all of their doctrines, all of the you know all of the papers and stuff they write. They write about. Um, they write about economic issues and they, they talk about governance, but governance is not government. There's a big, very subtle difference here. We're subject right now. We're being captured by governance. That is people just creating rules to tell us what to do. Yeah. There's no law behind it. There's no government behind it. Right. You know, where's this stuff coming from? Who well, makes these rules anyway? You know, a mayor stands up and says, you can't go out of your house, and I'm signing an executive order. Right. He has no right to do you that. You have no authority, he yeah. But he's doing it. Hold on. We we started, to, I feel like we, we went down a, a, a different path, and I want to get back to the masks. Absolutely. So, the issue with, the issue with, you know, the first, the first issue with the mask is that there was no requirement for everybody to wear the mask during the, the major part of the lockdown. Now that we're coming out of it, all of a sudden, people are saying, the authorities are saying, you, everybody must wear a face mask. Now, you know, what, that makes no sense on the surface of it. But what it's, Why not? What it's saying to... Let's talk about that, because we do have this doctor who is a nationally mm-hmm. recognized, board-certified neurosurgeon, Dr. Russell Blaylock, who wrote this this piece. He's a health practitioner, he's an author, he's a lecturer, and he says, until recently, the CDC did not recommend. In fact, they, they recommended against. They said it was absolutely not necessary to wear a face mask or covering of any kind unless the person was known to be infected. But now, now we have, and by the way, there's, there's some connection with tuberculosis. Do you know what that is? Well, the face masks are always given to people who have 
uh, tuberculosis. That stops the spread of it. But uh, but they have tuberculosis. Yes, if they have it, and right. you, you know, all historically, the sick, the sick are the ones who get quarantined, and the sick are the ones who get if they're contagious, they get a face mask. Uh, when, especially when they're around other people. If you're laying in your hospital bed and your back, you don't wear a face mask necessarily. But you know that's that's just common sense, and that's been medical practice for forever. But when you require healthy people to wear face masks. It's altogether different because there are health risks associated with wearing the face mask for healthy people. And this is well documented. As he's noted, it's very well documented. And there's no evidence whatsoever that a face mask will protect you from getting, from catching the virus. Right, he, right. So two, so two things. So one... One, he says, several studies have indeed found significant problems with wearing such a mask. This can vary from headaches to increased airway resistance, carbon dioxide accumulation, hypoxia, or even serious life-threatening complications. He actually warns against it if you're out exercising. The last thing you should be doing is wearing a mask because it inhibits the flow of uh, oxygen, the, the airflow. It inhibits it. So why you would want to hamper yourself. And yet I see people, I go out in Florida and I see people jogging or riding bikes yeah. with face masks on. Yes, and they're all quite young people too because the older you get, the worse, the worse it gets. Uh, that you need more oxygen. That The lack of oxygen is the first thing. That's the number one checkpoint probably on face masks that makes perfect sense. You cannot breathe as deeply as you do without a face mask. But secondly, you're breathing out carbon dioxide. That uh, carbon dioxide is, a, is, is an exhaust right. from our body. And when Wait, you breathe in fresh air... Isn't carbon dioxide yeah. poison? Isn't that what we learned from the green movement? Carbon dioxide is poison. And and you know what? If you if you breathe too too rich of a of a mixture of carbon dioxide, like up around five to ten percent, you will begin to get symptoms very quickly. Uh, it's not a poison though. All it's doing is displacing well, oxygen. <laughs> well, that that explains that explains all the crazy people now. <laughs> they've they've well, shorted their brain what, their brains of oxygen. <laughs> It, I'm sorry. Uh, if, if that were the only, if that were the only risk, it would be relatively minor, though, because when you get short of breath, okay, you rip your face mask off and take a deep breath. But the bigger problem is when you're breathing into a mask, you're catching all of the stuff that comes out of your body in that mask on the inside, and then you turn around and breathe it back in your nose, through your nose or your mouth. Right. Well, those things that you breathe out were designed to stay out. For instance, if you uh, have virus particles in your lungs or you have bacterial particles or something that your body wants to get rid of, it throws them out through your breath. Right. You don't see your breath, but it's full of stuff. And uh, that's why people wear masks, because your breath is full of stuff. Well, our bodies were not designed to continually rebreathe the junk that we breathe out. So, so, and so when argu that, arguably, the, the sick people probably should not wear the mask because, in fact, it, it sort of hampers them in, in trying to rid themselves. But they do it out of a courtesy because they are sick. They do it out of a courtesy so that they don't infect other people. 
But when they're lying in their hospital bed or they're out for a walk, they shouldn't be wearing a mask because it's it's particularly bad for them. But for healthy people, it's also not advisable. It isn't. And from a from from Dr. Blaylock's point of view, one of the greatest risks is as you continue to enrich the concentration of uh, right. of it, con- contaminants yeah. in your lungs. You're also taking them into your nose, and if you if you think about it, when you breathe out, you breathe you breathe through a sort of slightly different channel than when you breathe in. <clears throat> so when you breathe stuff in through your nose, you're taking it into your nasal cavities, and from there, the 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 smelling nerves that are in your nose can act as a transmitter of viruses that can infect your brain. And he said, this is one of the greatest dangers. It's not, it's not a huge thing. It doesn't happen to everybody, but it is, is very real risk that you, when you enrich this stuff that should not be there in your nose and your nasal cavities, that you're putting your own health of your brain at risk. And uh, that's really spooky. So the, this face mask thing on several levels has dangers. That's, that's basically what he's saying. There's uh, at least three different um, areas that will cause um, abnormalities, let's say. Headaches are the first thing that happens when when people wear a mask. They just are oxygen-deprived and they get headaches. This has been reported all over the place. I talk to people when I go into stores or, you know, that are wearing masks and say, do you ever get short of breath? Or do you get fatigued? And, oh, yeah, I you know, I have to take a break, uh, you know, now and then and take this thing off. Uh, so this is well documented, and people are actually experiencing these things from from oxygen deprivation. Right. But the rest of the things they do to themselves, they have no idea, and nobody's telling them. That's like nobody's telling them at all. I saw a guy with COPD in a grocery store the other day. Poor old Jet. He probably was uh, you know 80 years old, and he's wearing a mask with his wife, and he's he's just toddling along, and. Uh, you know, they're picking out some groceries, this, that, and the other. And I, I just thought to myself, man, did, didn't anybody tell this guy that he he's doing the worst thing he can possibly do to himself by wearing a mask and mm. restricting his airflow? Mm. It's crazy. Mm. Well, people people believe the oddest things because they haven't been taught to ask questions. Um, yes. And, and in fact, part of, the, part of the reason I think people are afraid to ask questions is they're afraid of the answers. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure of that. I think in certain instances that's the case. Uh, but let's talk about the symbolism of the mask, shall we? Oh, you bet. There was a peer-reviewed study that appeared, um, well, actually it appeared in 2016. I happened to run across it when I was doing a search for this, for this uh, topic we're talking about today. And I found a peer-reviewed paper that was published on the NIH's website of all places. <laughs> Just ironic that uh, that talked about the psychological effect of face masks. And I'm not suggesting that somebody at the top is pulling strings like on a puppet or something to make all this happen. But face masks produce fear. I never really thought about that. But face ma- face masks, wearing face masks, produces fear in the wearer. And if you see, if you're around somebody with face mask, it also produces fear. And the article stated that because of the fear that happens within a, a public group, it quickly translates into political action. And in oh, other words, wait. people are, are 
they're uh, they're vocal about it, or you know, something that actually comes out in practice. So it works its way into the political arena very quickly, and it reinforces itself because the more the pol- political side of it gets in it, the, the more face mask gets in it, whatever, and it becomes a a perpetuating fear uh, mechanism. And I thought, wow, that is exactly what's happening today. People are scared to death. And it's not getting better because now, after as we try and get out of this lockdown, everybody's wearing masks and just reinforcing the fear that they've had for the last three months. They cannot uh, get loose of the fear. Interesting. This has to stop. Fear is a, is a horrible emotion to have rippling through society. It can have no good outcomes. really can't. And fear often gives way to anger. As you know, you just talked about that, that woman that was on a ramp. Who wasn't wearing a face mask, by the way. She was in her car, yeah. but still, I'd prefer if she wore a mask. <laughs> so, I see people driving yeah, in their cars. Yeah. I look over. They're alone in their car, and they're wearing a mask. I'm like, what are you? That's cr- I, I think it's crazy. I think it's, uh, it's, tip- it's, it's really brainwashing. But... But you're talking about psychological effects. I'm talking about symbolic. Because the face yes. mask is covering what? Your mouth. Yes. And, and, and uh, is, you're right. And, right? So you're a limited reach. Right? So it's like, shh, quiet. You wear that mask and you behave. Because that's what we've told yes. you to do. You follow directions. That's right. And so now there's a fear of people. There's a fear, I'm sure, from many people who would rather not wear the mask, but they're afraid not to wear the mask. They are. And this is, um, if, if we were to liken this whole thing to a stage play, uh, everybody has been given their role to play in the, you know, in the, in the, in the play. And, uh, for the people who have to wear the face mask, that's their role. That's how they fit into this whole thing. And they willingly accept their role, apparently. Uh, I advise people, whatever your role is, don't play it. Don't, don't go along with it. Just, you know, break the mold and refuse to play the role that they want you to play. And you can talk about free speech all you want. Back to Citizens for Free Speech. You can talk about free speech and say, oh, you have the right to free speech. Yes, you do. But here, wear this mask so nobody can really understand you because right. your voice is muffled. Right. And you're afraid to speak. This makes no sense. This, okay. is, this is talk about the Hegelian dialectic. Right. Crazy. Uh, Hegelian, is that what you said? You, you cut out the Hegelian dialectic. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, of course, is, is uh, the mask is we've been we've been having people using masks. Antifa is the one that jumps to mind uh, to disguise themselves so that they can commit crimes. And I mean, yeah. I I personally I have a problem when I see a woman wearing a hijab covering her face because yeah. and and you talk about the psychological effects right it, it does make me afraid yeah. I, i'm sorry i can't help it that's it's it's not uh it's not a racist thing i have no idea what race she is the fact that she's covering her face and and we are evolutionarily um programmed to look at people's faces because their faces tell us about who they are and we're evolutionarily programmed to to do that, to evaluate people based first upon their face. And so if you're going to now mandate that people wear masks, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that there will be enough resistance to that. Yes. You're, that's right. And, yeah. you know, Antifa, for instance, it, the fear factor is from wearing masks. You, you, sure. you notice that many, many terrorist groups uh, throughout the world wear masks. And it's, it's part of the intimidating, uh, you know, image right. that they want to project. Right. Okay. We're going to get you, but you're not going to know where it comes from. You're not going to know. You're not going to be able to see what we're doing because it's harder to follow somebody's eyes. Strangely, you know, if you cover up the rest of their face, it becomes harder to tell what their eyes are doing, uh, even though that's sort of where we go. But we, we judge the, we see the whole face at once. Um, okay. So to sum it up, I want to be clear. Here's a doctor who's saying, and he's not the only one that I've heard, by the way, but just to, just to quote Blaylock, masks are unhealthy unless they are specifically trying to prevent the spread of disease from a diseased individual. The, the, the needle then falls to the, they're unhealthy for the healthy person to wear. That's right. Yeah. All right. right. That's right. He's saying balance the risks. At least if you know the risk, then you can make intelligent decisions about what you should do. Right. Well, this is this was my whole Patrick. This was my whole argument when we shut down the economy. At what cost? At what cost? Or and then what? Right. And and nobody asked those questions. Nobody brought that up. It was if it saves one life, if it just saves one life, then you know we can we can uh, then then it's worth it. And and unfortunately, that's not the equation. <laughs> it's not, well, we're only no. going to save lives on this side. We're going to cost lives on the other side. And in fact, it has yet to be yeah. proven that we've saved any lives. Uh, that, that, uh, that scenario will be borne out in the future. Thank you so much for coming on the program. I really appreciate speaking with you. And people, um, you can go to citizensforfreespeech.org to see Dr. Blaylock's um, article and to find out more. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Patrick Wood. You're welcome, Sam. Thank you. All right. My next guest is, uh, we'll be calling in in just a moment, I'm sure, uh, uh, the senator from Alaska. And, um, well, I can't wait to talk about this because of the incredible things that are going on behind the scenes now. Um, Folks, we got to wake up. We just, we're, we're, I don't know what, I'm not really sure what's uh, sort of happening behind, behind the scenes, but what is now sort of coming out through the cracks, if you will, is quite astonishing. So we've talked about Ventura County with the, um, he's the head of uh, hum- health services in Ventura County saying, we're going to track people. Really? Uh, last time I checked, this was the United States of America. Oh, yeah, we're going to do contact tracing, and there's a bill for it. It's Bill House Resolution 6666, because three sixes aren't enough for it. So you can go online and look up uh, House Resolution 6666. Joining me now is Alaskan Senator Laura Reinbold. From Fairbanks, she's uh, obviously a, a politician. She's a member of the Alaska Senate, but she's also served in the Alaska House. And she's currently unaffiliated with a caucus organization because um, her views differ from some of the Republicans that are in her caucus. 
Welcome to the program, Laura Reinbold. Well, good morning, Sam. Uh, Thank you for having me on. We are definitely facing unprecedented times, and the people need to stand up and take unprecedented resistance against what's going on. Right. And you're leading the charge up there in Alaska with a a new uh, joint resolution. So talk to me about this. Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, as you know, I've uh, been in the Senate. This is my second year. And the reason why I'm I'm not officially uh, part of the caucus is because the rhinos, basically, that's Republican in name only, are having a political affair with the Democrats. And so basically they cut all these backdoor deals behind the scenes and then they bench uh, true conservative Republicans that stand on the platform, that stand on the Constitution, and actually stand on what is reasonable, especially in regards to things like budgets. Um, we're, we're in multi-billion dollar deficits, uh, so I keep voting no on the, on the budget. Plus, now they continually keep breaking laws and undermining the Constitution, even as they did this past Monday. So, uh, but I am a strong Republican. I'm a conservative Republican, and I did take an oath to defend the Constitution, both the Constitution of the United States and the state of Alaska. So I want people to know this is not a Democrat versus Republican resolution. This absolutely is not. There's three branches of government, the judiciary, the executive, and the legislative. This resolution that I've proposed today uh, is a a resolution against keeping the governor in check. The executive branch has marched off off the deep end and trampled on our Constitution. So that's what this resolution is. It is up on my Senator Laura Reingold Facebook, but I've also uh, sent it to you, Sam. So I'm not exactly sure if you want me to go go through it, but it's a, it's a pretty powerful document. Well, I, we don't have to go through it. What's the point? Why? What are you trying to accomplish? I mean, I, I, I read it, or I read through it, I should say. I didn't... Um... I, I don't have that much time in the day, <laughs> but uh, but what are you trying to accomplish with this? So the bottom line is, we we I just posted on Facebook and I asked for a group of people to stand up and fight for liberty with me. That we all sensed that our liberties were being treaded upon, but we couldn't exactly pinpoint them. So we all read the Declaration of Independence in the Founders' Bible, which is my favorite book of all time. Then we read um, the United States Constitution and the Constitution of the State of Alaska. Then we read the 17 mandates that this governor, that he claims that he's conservative, but he's acting far from that. And uh, we compared each and every um, mandate, and we recognized there was a trend. Our Constitution, both in the state of Alaska and the U.S. Constitution, were completely under assault. So I weighed heavy what I was supposed to do in regards to this and thought, and I decided that a resolution, a joint Senate House resolution, asking one for uh, the governor to adjust this uh, declared mandate, interestingly, on March 11, 2020, when we had one case in the state of Alaska. And uh, then I pointed out that all of us take an oath, including him, to the Constitution. And then we point out throughout the whole uh, resolution that people citizens of the United States have unalienable rights guaranteed in the Declaration of Independence in the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Those are the people's rights. Government cannot take nor give away those rights. And then in our Constitution for the state of Alaska, the inherent rights. 
And uh, and so basically, um, I pointed out that this was also not only assault on the people's right, but it was assault on the legislature because it was undermining. It's a political assault, obviously. Uh, it was undermining that we, as the legislature, have education. Right. We have public health. We have public welfare, and not a single mandate of these. Now there's 18 because there was another one yesterday. We are not being consulted on any of them. He's so just mandating. He's just, by fiat, he, he's the king. He's the king of Alaska. Exactly. Well, I mean, are you doing any kind of uh, sort of propaganda campaign to that end? I mean, well, you post, I, post I, a I, mandate. I, Put a mandate up with his photo and say, hail to the king of Alaska. Like, Well, I'm choosing, that's going on all over the place, but I'm choosing to just really be as professional as I can. And that's why I'm trying to get my <laughs> colleagues. I sent this to all of my colleagues. Okay. And I sent this to the judicial branch. And, of course, I took it to the highest levels I could. He doesn't have an email that I can find. And, I, uh, you know, so I send it, I send it to his high level advisors. So I am trying really hard to, to get the legislature to act. Um, I'll tell you I, something. I, I, it's, I, I, I commend you because that's the proper way to do it. And at the same time, I don't know if you saw it, Dove Fisher, who uh, is a rabbi, wrote an article in the American Spectator called A Time to Hate. And it is phenomenal. It's actually subtitled, It's Not Too Late. And he goes into this idea that, you know what? For eight years, I accepted the rules of the game. Obama was president. And even though basically the things he did were, did were repulsive to me, the apology tour, the, the corruption, the selling out, the not handling things, the, the allowance for ISIS to spread, the cost of human lives, uh, appointing Clinton, uh, her Benghazi legacy, sweeping that under the rug. Uh, and he goes through this whole thing. It's really quite, quite, uh, extensive when you, when you, when you take it all in sort of one fell swoop, when it's delivered over eight years, you just, you're, you're weary a little bit, but you're like, yeah, but you know, he won fair and square. And towards the end of the article, he says, you know what? But now, there wasn't even a honeymoon for Donald Trump. There wasn't even an option. They they start they targeted him before he won, and they started down this whole thing. And you can argue about whether Flynn is an American hero or not, but he didn't deserve what he got. You can you can argue the same thing about McCain, but McCain was actually elevated to run for president for some un, unknown reason. And and my point is. He says there's a time to love and a time to hate. It's basically like, okay, you know what? The gloves are off now because I played by your flipping rules. But you don't play by the rules. Your governor is not playing by the rules. He's not. Correct. He's not allowed to I, mandate. I I, call, call a legislative session and say, this is not allowed. Well, we're, we're trying, but it takes two-thirds uh, to, to come with them. Yeah. So basically what I have to do is empower and educate. And so the second phase is starting tonight. Oh, good. But I, I think it's – and that's to the people. This is the people petitioning. So we started a chapter called um, the Freedom Fighters, the Constitutional Freedom Fighters, the Alaska chapter. But I'm trying to make this a movement nationwide, and I'm we're, we're cross-examining all of the lawsuits and stuff. Well, that's going to possibly be a people's – class action lawsuit, but I'm trying to, to stay in my lane as a senator yeah. and pointing out, no, Governor, you just spent $1.5 billion COVID funding through one little committee. We all as a legislature, so that's unconstitutional, and, and the lawyers even said it, pointing that out. 
We, I pointed out the rights that he treaded on. I pointed out that health and social services is data mining. And I know you were speaking about that earlier. Yeah. Article 1, Section 22 says that we can't be data mining on John Hopkins University and our health and social services is data mining on our people. I'm fighting that because it says the legislature shall take care of that. In addition, it says that you can't take property in the Constitution from from uh, the public without due process and just compensation. I'm educating the people. A lot of people have not read the Constitution. They have, do not know their, their no. rights. They do not know the Declaration. So my job is to empower and educate the people. Then the face coverings are driving me crazy. And so I'm posting and I'm getting... I just checked and I got 84,000 hits in the last four weeks. And I'm sure that's going to be over 100,000 uh, by probably by this Friday because of the people's petition that we're trying to get out tonight. Uh, we're going to do it online on, on Facebook. We're, we have, we're going to use change.org. And then we have boots on the ground across the state of people. We're trying to get to 100,000 signatures. So we are going to make it turn it to the people's movement. But I had to start somewhere as yeah. a legislator. Yeah. I, I'm going to read here because um, you you quote uh, Article 3, Section 20 of the Constitution of the State of Alaska. The governor may proclaim martial law when the public safety requires it in case of rebellion or actual or imminent invasion. Martial law shall not continue for longer than 20 days without the approval with approval of a two-thirds majority of the members of the legislature in joint session. Even if the governor had declared martial law, these health mandates have gone on far longer then they allowed 20 days, and he has done this without legislative approval in joint session. Maybe that's what you call the legislature in for. Absolutely. And so I give it, I'm not in leadership right now, so I'm kind of at the mercy of the yeah. rhinos and Democrats right now. And so I'm in a very tough situation. Yeah. I would have much rather stayed in my lane as a senator and dealt with this, but knowing who I'm dealing with at this point in time, uh, it's, it's, I have to take it to the people, but there's other super important things. You read that. That's super important. Also right above that in the resolution, it says that you should be doing it based on science, based on cost benefit analysis. If you are going to tread on people, you better not use a faulty curve from this Neil guy that was caught cheating with his mistress, you know, from the Imperial college of London, you know, that faulty curve yeah. and the faulty protection. Well, yeah. And, uh, and you know he's using garbage, uh, basically for you know that this propaganda. Ours is not propaganda. Ours is Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the United States right. Constitution. Ours is ours is absolutely the supreme law of land, and we're educating the people throughout the state. I'm getting on lots of radio stations and Facebook. Um, it, it within uh, it was about 20 hours. Uh, I got 13,000 hits just on this resolution. So I mean, there and, is and how many people are in the state of Alaska? Like 14,000, right? 700, 750,000 uh, people. All right. Well, we need to, we need to get farther then, right? Uh, absolutely. But, but I think that what, what's just disgusting about this, he's Catholic and he stops church services. So it's just egregious to us that, and that's, they're, they're doing that. So basically everybody that, that I'm working with believes that this is a complete assault on the inherent right, the unalienable rights and the, uh, the Bill of Rights. And that's when um, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom to petition their government, the peaceable assembly, you know, those ones are what is under assault and people better wake up because we believe that they, they are taking, you know, away our first amendment right in order to get to our second amendment. And then that's the right to bear arms. And so people, please wake up. This, this telling, he has it posted right now to wear universal face coverings. Are you kidding me? So, so I, I really think that you know that they're, they're fabric cloth. 
I mean, that is a silencing. That is a, that is a submission right. to government. That is That's a right. silence of the Why don't they just gag people? Why don't they just issue a gag order? And, you know, I mean, honestly, it's the same thing. And by the way, there's a great meme up that that shows a guy wearing a cloth uh, face covering. And it says, I'm I'm using cloth to keep out COVID-19. And then below it, it says, I'm erecting a chain link fence to keep out the mosquitoes. (laughs) Because (laughs) I've not seen that. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, the face coverings are 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 not proven to be effective, except in the case of an infected person. And the infected person ought to wear the face covering to protect the people around him or her. And that's why we wear face coverings. But don't tell me I need a face covering. I'm not infected. Yeah, well, I'm not going to ever go to the word face covering because that sounds, you know, religious to me. So I, I am going to strictly say an N95 mask or a surgical mask because those actually work. But these people that are running around touching their mask, and I keep posting, trust me, I have gotten a lot of hate because I keep posting all these articles about masks. And uh, But they are getting a lot, a lot, a lot of attention. Um, but I've been pushing back for weeks in regards to the ridiculous of them. And they're actually can cause health danger. So the, the, the fact of the matter is that the state could be liable for all these businesses that are going under. I think even the mental health issues that the mandates are, are creating. And I, I just posted an article last night that showed two kids died wearing a mask running. So, you know, trying to tell people. What? Where, you know, yeah, I got to go find that. That, that's on my, that's on it. But I keep posting all these, these things in regards to masks. And uh, so the and two they're, kids they're, dying is on your Facebook. It is. It is. Okay. So I have a Laura Reinbold and a Senator Laura Reinbold. So, you know, it, it's probably on both of them, but we're, we are also planning a religious service and that's going to be next Wednesday. We're trying to get a multi-denominational uh, service just to say you cannot tell us the right to assemble. You cannot tell us five people, ten people. You, they, they, he keeps trying. He's micromanaging everything. And if you look under, oh, he wanted us to just praise him because he was reopening Alaska after we had this massive rally. Right. We started with a massive rally. He is taking over camps. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, every aspect. There's like. 15 attachments um, on, on uh, you know, if you look at the mandates in general, and he it's, it's like how you're going to reopen is under my new order, exactly how I tell you to. And some of them are three pages long for one attachment right. for, you know, like, let's say a camp or something. So he's basically touching every single person's life. And, and then in order to reopen, which we are in phase two now because of all the immense pressure of Alaskans. We have a very independent state and he never used law enforcement, but next time he could. But anyway, um, that, that, that under his conditions and they have to wear cloth face covering. And I'm like, I will not, that is like, to me, social distancing. No, we're doing physical distancing. Give each other a tiny bit of space right now. No, if you're going to wear a mask and you're sick, make sure you wear a surgical mask, but don't give in to the words because they are bizarre words that they're using because we're physical distancing that the, and, and that the cloth he, he is literally that one just drives me nuts watching these people give in like sheep right. people. You must stand up. You must read the declaration, but you must read the constitution. It doesn't take that long and you will be empowered and emboldened. And those rights are yours and government cannot take them away. So uh, just tell me briefly about the two kids who died. So basically they were running. And, you know, this is one thing. Asia has been wearing masks for, I mean, look at how many years they've been wearing masks over there. Look at how hard they were hit. Even in PE class outside, which there's zero science to that, might filter the left out, 
but the kids were running and two of them dropped dead uh, running uh, in, in PE class. So um, they definitely pose uh, a lot of people that I know are getting rashes because I'm going to the stores and asking people. People are feeling sick. People have asthma. The hairdressers that I'm going, they're, they're saying that the, the toxins are getting stuck underneath their masks and they're feeling nauseated. I mean, it is just ridiculous um, what they're having, what they're having people do at, at this point in time. But they definitely pose a health risk to, to the children and, and people while they're working out. Yeah, exactly. All right. Laura Reinbold, you are bold. That's why your name is Reinbold. Absolutely, Sam. And, and, and I appreciate you. I, you're so strong and smart and I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate this opportunity. And uh, I really hope that people will start a movement, the constitutional freedom fighters, and you can do, you know, whatever chapter, the Florida chapter, but we really, you know, Liberty first, just get involved in an organization. It is, it is not time for anybody to sit silent. Don't ask anybody to go fight for your inalienable right. time for Alaskans, time for Floridians, time for everybody yeah. to stand up. Don't let other and, people and, carry your water for you. We're, we're in this together, but that doesn't mean you can just rely on other people to take care of it. And, and then lastly, before I let you go, cause I know you're talking with lawyers and stuff, you need to have somebody like, um, Somebody who's compromised, whose health is compromised, you need to have them sue that they won't wear a mask. Exactly. Well, there is a, there is a couple loopholes with that. For ADA, you could use that, and you could just say, hey, I've got a health condition, I can't wear it. You know, and so people, and then they're not allowed to ask any more questions. So um, I'm certainly not wearing them. I, I, yeah, they, they, I have a health either. condition. Uh, uh, it, it hurts my mental status to wear a mask, you Idiot. You know, they're, 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 yeah, they're, they are not allowed to ask questions if you say under the ADA. So I'm certainly not wearing them. I've been interviewed, and there, there's absolutely no way that, that I'm going to give in, well, give and in there's, to this. And we, there, there's, video, there's video of, like, the, 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 the Democrat senators on the Hill or whatever, and they're all wearing masks, and then the cameras supposedly turn off, but people are taking, like, sur- you know, surreptitiously still videotaping, and they all take their masks off when the camera lights turn out. Yep. Yep. So I, I see it. It's ridiculous. I'm watching it and, and it is, it is so, so silly, but people need to try to figure out what's going on in the big picture too. Are they trying to march us toward universal health care? Are they trying well, yeah. to, to march us <laughs> toward universal education? Well, we're now fighting. They, they want us to get, give in to Jeb Bush, you know, it's Flor- Floridian, the big common core man. So it was, it was George W. Uh, Bush, um, you know, the goddess common core. And then Jeb Bush, you know, had, had, has is massive. He, he's working with the Billy Gates. So the Gates and the Bushes, if you go back three generations, they even worked on Planned Parenthood together. So those two, watch them. Watch the Bushes and the Gates because uh, they have been involved with each other for a long, long time. So I would highly recommend people try to look, are we, are they? You have to ask, answer that question for yourself. But uh, but I, I'm pretty concerned about Common Core, as, as Sam, you know, I met you with it in this long battle against the Common Core. Uh, but uh, our our state now is joined with, uh, with Florida on education. Is joined with Florida on education, yeah. Jeff well, Bush, the online, online yeah, education. Yeah. So it is Common Core. I mean, he is a Common Core king. And so just, just be careful. Pay attention to the bigger, bigger picture and this global citizenship on, on Channel 2, the, all these programs. People need to be aware, and they, they, I'd highly recommend that they Google and look up what is Agenda 2030. It's a very real thing. It's not conspiracy. It is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I've been in the education battle for quite a while, and 
it's amazing. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And what you need to do is arm yourself with the truth. So, all right, uh, Senator Laura Reinbold, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's great to speak with you. Well, absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having me on. And I just want to encourage everyone, get involved, stand and resist the stupidity. Stand and resist the stupidity. Brilliant. All right, thanks. Wow. Okay, so, dang it. I, I have very little time left, and I want to play some stuff for you. So... Uh, Tara Reid discussed the attack that she claims uh, happened between her, well, that she claims she was attacked by Biden. And I just want to, I guess I'll just play you a little bit of it. Mind you, uh, Rose McGowan is now going after, which I think is really kind of interesting, going after um, uh, Bill Maher and saying, you know, dude, you, you don't have a, you don't have a leg to stand on. You can't criticize me. Um, all right. So Tara Reed had a very long interview that I found actually quite compelling. Now, mind you, I'm not a fan of Biden, but she's a, she's probably a Bernie supporter at this point. She's a, she's a lifelong progressive. Tara Reed is, I don't know why she would come out, but listen to this. It's, it's fairly compelling. She's, she's talking about, the attack. So it's about seven and a half minutes into Megyn Kelly's interview with her. They talk about a little, some other stuff right up front just to sort of, um, I think, get into the groove. And then uh, Megyn says, so describe the attack. I handed him the bag. And- oh, let me just tell you. So she was sent to meet him in to, to catch up with him. And so she'd been running to catch up with him. Uh, wearing high heels, she was wearing a skirt and a blouse or something, and wearing high heels, and she was, um, and she found him in the hallway, and he was talking with somebody, and the person turned and walked the other direction. She had this bag for him that she was supposed to deliver, so she's concerned about the bag. It happened very quickly. I remember, I remember being pushed up against the wall, um, and thinking the first thought I had was, "Where's the bag?" which is an absurd thought, but that's what I thought. Was, the bag. Where's the bag? Yeah, because I was handing it to him. And um, he had his hands um, under, underneath my clothes. And um, it, was, it happened all at once. So he had one hand underneath my shirt and the other hand um, I had a skirt on and he like went down my skirt and then went up. And I remember I was up almost on my tippy toes. And um, when he went inside the skirt, he was talking to me at the same time, and he was leaning into me, and I pulled this way away from his head, I remember, and so he was kissing my neck area, and he whispered, did I want to go somewhere else, in a low voice. He said some other things. I can't remember everything he said, Um, but he said um, something vulgar. And yeah, I ask what he he said. I want to fuck you. Interesting, don't you think? Actually, kind of fascinating. I'm not really sure why she's doing this. She's getting so much hate from the people she loves, from the progressives. Why? What? What's her? What's her? What does she have to gain? And so I just want to play you a couple other things because, um, and by the way, Megyn Kelly does 
a good job, I have to say, uh, sort of sort of leading her through this. Um, the interview itself is is great, and uh, I don't know if I have any further questions for her, frankly. Um, so so that's a that's a sign of a good interview, right? Um, all right, let me play you this. Took a polygraph controlled by someone on her team. Is that something you want to do? So they were talking about Christine Blasey Ford and that she agreed to take a polygraph. Listen to this answer. And and the one thing that I will say is the impression that I get from watching, and you know, you watch the face of somebody. That's why masks are so, ultimately so dangerous. Because you watch the person's face. And you heard, you heard Tara Reid's voice shake and crack. Uh, but I saw the sort of, the whole transition that came over her when she was referring to what happened during the, the attack. And she said it's, it happened so quickly. And all of a sudden his hand was just up her skirt and between her legs and doing what it was doing. And I didn't play you the whole thing, but um, she talked about their knees knocked because he had thrust his, his leg between her legs. And um, I mean, it's pretty visceral the way that she described the attack. So listen to this. I'm not a criminal. Joe Biden should take the polygraph. What I would say <laughs> is that they're not admissible into court, one. Two, Blasey Ford took one. Is that true? I believe that's what I understand. But what kind of precedent does that set for survivors of violence? Does that mean we're presumed guilty and we all have to take polygraphs? So, so that is a great point. For somebody who is not terribly... Um, sophisticated, I guess, is is the thing because it's not like she's been playing this game for a long time. She hasn't done a ton of interviews, and trust me, you you get proficient at something that you've done a lot. You just you do you develop a proficiency. Some people are more uh, able to develop the proficiency than others. She, she is um, she does a fantastic job. Listen to this moment for their pleasure, and that's it. And I guess that's the question. On the subject of others coming forward, mm-hmm. some people have said, if, if a guy's going to be this brazen mm-hmm. in, a, in a sexual assault case, mm-hmm. doing this to a woman who works for him in the middle of a Senate office building, in the middle of the day, in the middle of a corridor, he's a sitting U.S. senator, there would be others. That they can't believe Tara Reid because there's no one else making an allegation this serious. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? I say I think I'm a poster child as to why women wouldn't come forward, aren't I? If you've been watching any of the social media or the news and seeing how I've been attacked basically on, on everything about me, um, it's, it's pretty obvious that if you did have you know, a story to come forward with about Joe Biden, it would be pretty daunting, wouldn't it? What is the end game here? You know, a lot of people think, eh, she's just disappointed Bernie didn't get it. She's trying to make something up to go after Biden. And even if it's true, like, what's the end game? She wants Trump? What is the end game for you here? My end game <clears throat> is that is basically telling my story in a dignified way, not be torn apart. And it's being able to move on with my life and heal. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, my heart breaks for her. Uh, she was... I believe, assaulted by a very powerful man. Um, 
And I don't understand why, I, I don't understand motive for, for doing this to her party, to her tribe. Um, she's, her whole life is now on display. Her bankruptcy is on display. She waited until her daughter was older, apparently. Fascinating. And it's fascinating how the Democrats have uh, reacted. That's it for me today. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, share the podcast with a friend, would you please? I'm trying to get my followers up. Appreciate it. Go have a great rest of your day. could unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you could unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current at the 121 Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. And access. Or over 3030. Call 800 for disclosures and cost information.